Hey, we're on a series of lessons today. Uh, we started last week called Stressed. It's something that we deal with, everybody deals with. You deal with it, I deal with it. Come on, all of God's children deal with it. Whether you're saved or not saved, been, been around the block a long time or not, so to speak, been a Christian for a long time or not, there's going to be times that you deal with stress, anxiety, worry, uh, and we want to talk about it a little bit more today. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to set you up. Again, with kind of uh, just, just a little bit, uh, just a couple of tid points of uh, uh, some things uh, to, to get you thinking in the right direction. And we're going to talk about one block of scriptures from the Old Testament from 1 Kings chapter 19. And so if you've got a Bible there, you've got your iPhone, we'll read it from the, or Android, we'll read it from the New Living Translation. We're going to read about 14 verses together. And, and for some of you that have been, you know, a Christian for a while or been in church for a while, uh, you, you probably will be familiar with the story, but I don't know if you'll be familiar with it in kind of the, the way we're going to kind of go about it, maybe through the back door, give you a different angle at what this story is really talking about. But we started last week talking about stress, and really we camped in several verses, six verses from Philippians chapter 4, uh, where Paul talked about really a five-step strategy on how you can beat stress and worry and fear and anxiety in your life. And if you weren't here, go on Spectrum Church at the media, and you'll be able to download on podcasts or Apple iTunes, whatever you listen to. I would encourage you to just listen to it. I listened to it this past week, and I really got blessed listening to my own teaching. So <laughs> thanks for the, like, meaningful, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, just see if you got to pay attention. What we know about the devil is that the devil is the ultimate trash talker. Have you found that out? He is the ultimate trash talker. He will try to talk his way into your mind and try to get you looking at your circumstances and keep you in this sense realm. I mean, we know that specifically everybody that's been around, whether you're, again, you've been in church for the first time today or not, everybody's kind of heard the story of David and Goliath, you know, with the stone, and he went up to Goliath, and Goliath fell, and then he wound up being king. But, but before that actually happened, what we, what, what we find out in the story is that Goliath was actually taunting David and taunting David's God trying to really trash talk David and get in his head. And, you know, it's just like the devil. You know, I don't I played sports all my life, and some of you guys are, I don't know if you girls, do girls trash talk? Oh, okay, okay. Y'all trash talk at the mall. We trash talk on the sporting field. I don't know what y'all do. But, but guys, all my life playing sports, every person I ever played against would always try to talk you down. Right? And I played basketball all my life, and I'm, I'm going to take you to the hoop. I'm going to score. You can't stop me. And all the time, going back and forth down the, down the court, it's that guy, somebody is trying to get in your head. And if they can get in your head, they'll get in your actions. They'll get in your, your, your confidence. They'll get in your courage. And, and you'll wind up backing down and not being who God wants you to be. That is, that is the tactic of the devil. Now, what we know from the Bible is that even though the devil's tactics are that way, the scripture over and over and over calls you an overcomer. It says you're more than a conqueror. Come on, we triumph in Christ. Come on, everybody, that's who we are. That's just who we are, even though the tactics of the enemy and the trash talking of the enemy can at times be relentless. And, and let me just tell you, there are times and there are seasons in your life, it seems like it will just never stop. And yet we're going to find out there'll be a remedy from the Word of God. So I'm encouraging you today, if you're not stressed today, you got everything under control today, you're, not, you're at peace, there's no anxiety, there's no worry in your life, man, praise God, but there will be a time in your life where, where you might get a chance to take a bite of that fruit, if you will, and it will lead you down a way that you don't want to go. So let's be forearmed today from the Word of God. Does that sound all right, everybody? I want to talk to you today about this wicked dynamic duo from the Old Testament. 
We'll read about them in a minute from 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, It's a couple called Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Uh, What's amazing about this couple is that this couple married based on a military and economic and and really a a political arranged marriage. Is that Jezebel was, uh, she she was the daughter of a king and a ruler of the Phoenician cities. And and this this gal and her kind of people, they were into worshiping false gods, crazy gods that, that would lead people into all kinds of crazy actions, sexual perversion, all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, well, just politically and militarily and economically, this arranged marriage between Ahab and Jezebel happened. But when you do realize who you marry will take all their stuff into your marriage. And so who they are will then have a chance to become who you eventually become. Uh, That's why I'm a real strong proponent of you need to marry somebody, as the scripture says, in the Lord. They need to be thinking like you, believing like you, going in the same direction like you. I don't believe in missionary dating, meaning when they're not saved, we're just going to get together because I like them. That's cool. But they're going to bring into the relationship all the garbage and all the darkness and all the stuff that they're dealing with. And it might affect you as it affected this nation and and, and this relationship. Uh, What we know is that she violently opposed God, opposed the people of God, so much so that the scripture says, before we read this, that she actually killed the prophets of the Lord. Her herself, she ordered her men to kill God's prophets. And, and, And when that happened, Elijah, who is the prophet, a God prophet in the land, called King Ahab and his 400, or or Jezebel's 450 false prophets to this showdown. The showdown is read, or you can read about it in 1 Kings 19. Some of y'all remember, they said, hey, the God who answers by fire, let's worship him. And so they made an altar and and the the false prophets started cutting themselves and started doing crazy stuff. Nothing happened. All of a sudden, Elijah built the altar back and he called on God and God ran down fire, man, and burned up that sacrifice, and everybody said, that's the real God we need to be serving, and then Elijah killed the 450 false prophets. When he killed the 450 false prophets, let's read what happened. 1 Kings 19, when Ahab got home and he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, the way he had killed the prophets of Baal, these 450 guys, Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And he went alone on in the wilderness and traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree that he might die. I have enough. Lord, he said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot coals and a jar of water. So he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength and he traveled 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave and he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, 
I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord said. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper, or still voice, one translation says. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood before the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken down their covenant with you, torn down their altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Man, I've been reading this story for years, guys, and I don't know if I got all that's going on, but I believe I got a little bit of something that's going to help you and help me today. So come on, would you bow your head and let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we have read your word, we pray that you would open up our heart, you'd open up our mind. I pray that you'd just use me today to be able to speak truth from your word of God that'll set me and everybody in the room and anybody that listens to this free from fear and worry and anxiety and the power of stress. If you agree with that, in Jesus' name, come on, give a good amen. Come on, amen. Uh, one thing that we can see from this story, I think that's just right off the bat that I see, is this, is that this tells us that can happen after a great victory. You can have a great test. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but, but, but it, we, I read the story and it, it just it shocks me uh, uh, what we just read before leading up to this, that the great showdown, we didn't read it all, but this great showdown and fire coming from heaven and, and killing the 450 uh, prophets of Baal, and then all of a sudden, what happened with Elijah from what Jezebel said and, and, and this, this great test that, that he just all of a sudden is, is leaving and he, and, he, and he winds up running away. It, it, it's an amazing, amazing story. But that tells me and it should tell you that when stress and fear and worry and anxiety and the pressure starts hitting us, that it eventually, we read it, but we'll talk about it in a moment, it eventually led really Elijah to really having de depressing thoughts. This, this, this person got into his head. It was like, like I said a moment ago, this taunting of, of, of Goliath to, to David and, and the taunting of the enemy and how those words penetrated this guy that he could one time wipe out 450 false prophets and the next moment he's running. What, what happened here? What, what happened here? I, I'm convinced that, listen, when, when you forget, just this, when you forget, you're going to start to fall. When you forget who God is, when you forget the assignment on your life, when you forget who you are as a child of God, that you're called, you're accepted, you're blessed, that, that God's your father, that, that if God be for you, who can be against you? When you start forgetting that and the voice of the enemy gets louder and louder in your voice, you are on the way to falling, falling away from God, falling away from, from people who can help you, falling away from wisdom, whatever it is, you are going to fall. So listen to me. If this is where you're at today, if, you, if you're teetering, I'm, 
I'm encouraging you, hang on to something today. Hang on to a friend. Hang on to the Word. Grab a word today from the Spirit of God so that it will help you stabilize you that you just don't go off the cliff. Come on, somebody. Man, man uh, uh, I just want to see this because I, I've, I've looked at this from a different angle before, and I've heard it preached a lot, maybe a couple different ways before, uh, all on the same vein, and really never heard it this way. But just look on the screen so we're all on the same page here. Is that the spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of Jezebel was a destroyer, a destroyer of God's people and God's word. This is what the spirit of Jezebel was doing. Wanted to destroy God's people and wanted to take away and destroy God's word. Meaning, the, the, the prophet is a mouthpiece of God in the Old Testament. They didn't have a pastor and they didn't have evangelists, you know, or missionaries. They had the prophet. The prophet was the one that heard God and would deliver God's, God's word. And so Jezebel wants to kill, wants to kill the people that are giving God's word. And that is the spirit that is loose. Listen to me today. I, uh, just the spirit of Jezebel, if I could say, without being too crazy or Pentecostal. Just this spirit that's like, we're going to try to kill you. We're going to try to kill the people of God. We're going to try to cause them great depression, great stress, great worry, great anxiety. So the word of God is silent in your voice, silent in your ear, silent in your heart, where you no longer believe God is good or God can do anything for you again. It's, it, it's alarming what's going on in our country. It's alarming what's going on with our young people, what's going on with our elderly people now. We're, we're being uh, you know, under depression and, and anxiousness and fear and worry that just petrifies us. This is exactly what was going on with, with Elijah. Man, this stress, this anxiety, this worry, this fear trying to kill the voice of God, the plan of God, the people of God, the strength of God, the purpose of God in your life. And listen to me, maybe your date going, you know, what happened with Elijah? Elijah heard that word from Jezebel, and all of a sudden he ran. That's what the scripture says. He was afraid, and he ran. And you might be saying to me, I ain't running, I'm still here, I'm working, I'm still in the house and all. But listen to me, you can be there and not there. You might not be running on the outside, but you're disconnected. You're disconnected. Man, you just quit fighting full of fear. And you just accept the fear. You accept the worry. You accept what it's doing in your life. And, and we'll, we'll read a scripture, hopefully, uh, in, in, at the end that tells us that we don't need to be doing that. What's crazy about the story is that, it, we read it, is that Elijah went 80 miles by foot to this place called Beersheba out of Ahab and Jezebel's rule and jurisdiction. I did a little, I, this is the way my mind thinks, I did a little, you know, search on this, that the average man can walk about, average woman walks about three, three miles per hour. He went 80 miles. The brother traveled 26 and a half hours walking. 26 and a half hours. He just had this supernatural encounter with God and the prophets of Baal, and then one word from this woman penetrated him so much, so much fear, so much worry, so much, I don't know what I'm going to do, that he ran 26 and a half hours. The scripture says that he left his servant in this place called Beersheba, and he wasn't done. Then he went to the wilderness. The scripture says he went another day's journey into the wilderness 
all alone. And listen, the brother's not getting some air like, like some of us have done. I just need to get away. I just need to, uh, I just need to be by myself. I need to get my thoughts together. No, no, this brother's confused. This brother's paralyzed. This brother's dazed. This brother's been affected by these words. And listen to me, you can always tell when it's almost like a quote-unquote spirit of Jezebel or just the demonic assault that comes against you. It's like you just can't shake it. It's not what somebody said that you don't like and they just don't like you or whatever, but it like it penetrates you and, and it causes you just to not sleep and it causes you to wake up and it's like it's there, it's on you, it's a cloud. And maybe you're not running physically because you got, you got stuff you got to do and bills you got to pay and kids to take to soccer, but man, you are disconnected and you're a mess on the inside. Talking to anybody, just talking to anybody. Man, listen. Fear, fear, worry, and anxiety will lead you to isolation and wrong conclusions. Fear, worry, and anxiety will lead you to isolation and it will lead you to wrong conclusions. What we find out is that Elijah, again, he runs and he goes to Beersheba and he then he runs another day's journey in the wilderness by himself, and he's alone. It says he went into the wilderness. In the Bible, the term wilderness means a dry place, a barren place, a deserted place, an uninhabitable place. It is no place for you. It's no place to live. It's no place to stay. Yet, yet, yet that's where he finds himself. And again, you read it. We read it. What he says is while he's alone... Here I am, God. I'm done. Just take my life. It's over. I'm just done. I'm, I'm done trying to do it. I, I'm done. It's over. And um, what I know about the wilderness is that when you're in the wilderness, you're going to start seeing things and hearing things that aren't there. You're going to see things. You'll be looking at people, and, and you're, they'll look at you just normal, and you'll, you'll, you'll look at it with a different eye. You'll hear things. I, I, we lived in Canada for 13 years, and I, I'd go deer hunting with a friend, and he would teach me really kind of how to hunt in the woods there and all. And, and uh, what we would do is that, you know, this is snow and early in the morning, you know, like November, and, and we get out there in this deep snow. And, and when you're going deer hunting, what you generally want to do is either walk real slow or sit and just wait. And so I, he went on one side of the mountain that, that this one time particularly, and I went on the other side of the mountain. We were going to be alone for about six hours. And so you've got your water, you've got your food, you've got your gun, I've got my ammunition, I'm ready to go, right? Only thing is after I got out of the truck and he went his way and I went my way, I was by myself for about an hour, and what I did is I came across grizzly bear tracks in the snow. And when I came across grizzly bear tracks, let me tell you something, the world changed. I went and I sat down to where I was going to be, I hiked for a while more, and I got to where I was, you know, in a place so I could see where, where, if deer were coming out, etc. And let me tell you what, every single sound, every little chipmunk, every little squirrel that would chew a nut, every little bird that chirped, and I was as nervous as a cat on a stove, let me tell you. Every single thing that when I started hearing things, I started seeing things, I started imagining things. Come on, I started thinking, what happens if a bear comes and tears me apart and no one's going to find me? I'm going to be dead up here in Canada. No one's gonna, I'm never going to be buried. Come on, how many of you know some stuff like that can happen in your head? 
that you'll start seeing some things. You'll start hearing some things that, that really aren't there. Listen to me. Elijah was physically, emotionally, and spiritually drained. He's completely exhausted. The scripture says, he just says, I, I just said, just, just kill me. And then he falls asleep. He falls asleep. I, I read something. This isn't going to be new to some of y'all, but maybe some of it will be. Uh, I found something uh, that I think is interesting. It's called, uh, which many of us know, it's, there's a, a, a technical or, me, or medical term called it. It's called hyperarousal. It's called the fight or flight syndrome. From acute stress, let me read it to you. It's an acute stress response. It's a psychological reaction that occurs in response to a perceived event, attack, or threat of survival. In response, it causes a surge of adrenaline to assist with either fighting or fleeing. Your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, your senses become hyper alert, and anxiety disorder results when fight or flight response becomes triggered too easily and too frequently. The fight or flight response is a protective device in your body that the nervous system makes so you can be ready to run away from danger or fight off danger. All the body systems send blood to the muscles and to the brain. It then sends blood away from the digestive system, which sometimes causes you to feel like throwing up. There are three stages, they say, of this stress. Number one, the alarm. The alarm. After the alarm, it's do I fight or is there going to be a flight? Then the resistance. And after the, the resistance, the last stage is exhaustion. This is where this brother is at. And what's amazing, we read it, when Elijah's there and he's, he just falls asleep, he's completely exhausted. You know what happens next? This is how God responds to him. He sends an angel to Elijah in his pain, in his fear, in his worry, in his exhaustion, in his, in his tension. He sends an angel to him and the angel feeds him, allows him, number one, to get some sleep and then he wakes him up and he feeds him. I don't know what you think about God, but God's okay while he gets you through the situation that you're in. And he's not going to leave you. I love a scripture that Isaiah the prophet says. Isaiah says this, that a bruised reed God won't break and, a, and just a flickering candle God's not going to snuff and put out. You might think today, you might be going through situations and you're, you're not maybe who you used to be or who you want to be. Maybe you have some bruises in your life. You're full of anxiety and worry and stress and fear or whatever. And maybe you just got a little flicker. Maybe you just got a little candle burning in your life. You're not as bright as you used to be or bright as somebody else. God says, I'm not going to put you out. I'm not going to break you. I'm not going to throw you by the side. I am going to be there with you and I'm going to bring you bread and I'm going to bring you some water. Can somebody say amen up in here? Now, what we know from the scripture is that bread symbolizes the word of God and water symbolizes the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So what God is telling Elijah is that, brother, you need to eat the word and, brother, you need to get drinking from the Spirit of God again. And the angel told him, we read it, he says, the journey is just too great for you. Too great for you. It's just too great for you. It's not too great for God. Listen to me. The journey's not too great, as we could say this way, the journey's too great for you, but the journey's not too great for God who empowers you. 
But so what God's saying to him is that God's saying, you got to eat, you, you got to drink. You, so so let, me, let me just encourage you. Are, are, are you daily feeding from the word of God or daily you, you, you draw near with your heart when worship to God? Or are you in a small group? Or come on, are you going through growth track? You're serving on a dream team where you just kind of connected with other people and, and you can be in a wilderness and still be surrounded by people. And you can be full of worry and fear and, and agitation and anxiety and and there'll be some people all around you that, 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 that can help you. But what we know from the story is that, is that in, in, the, in, in the strength of that food, he actually went to Mount Sinai. Now, now some of y'all might remember, Mount Sinai is a place that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. It's, it's a holy place with Israel. God brings, God brings Elijah back to a place that he remembers, that Elijah remembers. This is where God showed up. This, this, is, this is a holy place. This is a, a special place for us as the people of God. And God brings them back. God, God brings people to church. God brings people back to the Word of God because he's trying to get your attention to say, you don't need to stay here. You don't need to let this spirit of Jezebel and the worry and the fear and the, and the anxiety penetrate you anymore. You need to eat. You need to drink. Come on, you need to get around some people of God. Can I get an amen up in the house? Yeah. So listen, if you eat God's, if you eat God's food, you, you're going you're gonna to hear God's voice. If you'll eat God's food, I wish I could hear God's voice. Eat God's food. Eat God's food. I think what's really amazing, too, is that we can really see that, is that God's talking to Elijah, saying, listen, it doesn't make a difference what's going on around you right now. What happened then and how I showed up in your life over here with this miraculous sign and wonder and miracle with the 450 prophets of Baal. But I'm not going to do that now, Elijah. This, this is going to be different. And, and even though I showed up then, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you right now. I'm going to teach you that I'm with you right now in the middle of these surroundings. I'm, I'm going to teach you. And God starts talking to Elijah the first time in the cave. And he asks him that question, you know. He asks him the question. Remember the question? He says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Now, now what we know is when he says, what are you doing here? He wasn't asking about his physical location. He wasn't asking about his physical location. What he was actually really saying is, how did you get in this place? How did you get here? It's not, it's not, it's, it's not what are you doing here, like, 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 like you're here in Chula Vista. No, no, no. Like, how did you get here? How did you get to this cave? Who told you to run from that word? Who, who told you to let that fear intimidate you? Who told you to be intimidated, full of fear because of the new job? Or who told you that you can't do that? Who are you listening to? How did you get here? That now, come on, this, this, this anxiety disorder, and every time somebody says something, you just get all full attention, and you just don't think you can do anything. And, and I, can you help us in church? No, 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 no. You'd be surprised how many people all around us, just never, because there's some stuff going on on the inside of us that could have been us tolerating, if you will, this spirit of Jezebel. What did you believe, God's saying, what did you believe that caused you so much fear and anxiety, and now, now you've run? You know the answer. He says twice to God. Same answer twice. Let me give it to you. <laughs> I've zealously served you. Come on, God. I've zealously served you. I, the, 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 people of, the people torn down your altars. They broke covenant with you, and, and they killed all the prophets, and he says... 
I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. I'm the only one left. You know, I've, I've, I've dealt with this all my life. The, 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 the Christian, uh, God, I don't think anybody, we don't have anybody around here, but, but the Christian who thinks I'm the only one, I got the Bible all figured out, and y'all are crazy. If you, run, if you run across any of those Christians, go ahead and run. Come on. Go ahead and flight. Run from them because they're crazy. They're crazy. God's got all kind of people that maybe don't even think like you that are for his team. Can you say amen, everybody? Yeah. I'm the only one left. So when Elijah leaves Jezreel, that's where he was. He goes to Beersheba, and he falls exhausted under this tree, a broom tree, it said. And that's when he says, you know, God, just kill me. He leaves Beersheba, and he goes to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, Mount Horeb, we could actually say. And he's, he's resting in a cave right there. He's resting. He, he, he's under a tree after he went 26 and a half hours. And he says, kill me. God feeds him bread and water. Then he goes another day's journey. And he winds up at Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. After he's there. And he's resting in a cave. Excuse me, he went 40 days, I should actually say. That food carried him for 40 days. And he's resting in a cave. And I got thinking, how, how do you get to the first place that you say, God, kill me? And then the second place, you're at rest. The only difference was his diet changed, number one. His diet changed, number one. And number two, when he was running with fear and anxiety and worry, I believe God just coming to him and the angel touching him comforted him to say, God's still with me. Um, God asked him that, sec that same question. It's interesting. God asked him the, the same question. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? He asked him that one time, and then he brings him to the mountain, and he asks him the question again, what are you doing here? And Elijah goes out to meet God, and God shows up crazy. God shows up that all of a sudden, there's a wind, and the rocks start moving off the mountain, blowing. It's just crazy, but God's not in the wind. Then there's an earthquake and the whole mountain shakes. Come on, imagine you're Elijah and the mountain and there's cracks and there's things breaking off. God wasn't in that. And there's a fire that comes. The fire of God, just fire shows up everywhere. God wasn't in that. But then there's a still small voice, it says. And, and, he, and he, he, he hears God. He hears God. Man. I love this, again, this scripture over the book of Isaiah. I haven't got it for you on the screen, but listen. Isaiah prophesies this, and he says, In quietness and confidence is your strength. In quietness and confidence is your strength. You know, I've, again, my journey is different than your journey. We've all got a different place that we've been and where we're, you know, our history. I was raised in kind of a church environment, you know, for years that, like, the power of God, which I totally 100% believe. I believe in signs, wonders, miracles, healings. But what I found is there are a whole lot of people, unless there's signs, wonders, miracles, and healings, they never think God shows up. Can I tell you something? God shows up in stillness more than that. 
you by yourself in your car alone, reading the word in the morning with a cup of coffee, and God shows up. Listen, God's not an outward sign. God's an inward reality. And I really think that God is trying to get a hold of Elijah saying, listen, I showed up in, in 1 Kings 19 with, with fire and devoured that, that, uh, that sacrifice. And you killed the 450 prophets of Baal. And, and, and I showed up then. But listen to me. I'm not, I'm not in the wind right there. And I'm not in the earthquake. right, And I'm not in the fire. I, I'm still right here. It's still me. Listen to me. It's still God, whether you feel him or see him or not, he's still God. Yeah. I told you I was going to say this later on in the book of Revelation. Jezebel's only mentioned twice. I mean, only mentioned a couple of times in the Old Testament. She's only mentioned one time in the New Testament. Here's what it says. In one of those churches in the book of Revelation, in chapter 2 or 3, forgive me, I don't know exactly where it is, uh, Jesus says to John, the apostle, he says, you need to tell this church, y'all are tolerating, here's what he said, y'all are tolerating that, 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 that Jezebel spirit, that woman of Jezebel, y'all are tolerating her. That's what he says. And he's lead, she's leading y'all away. Listen to me. Th that word, you're tolerating it. You're tolerating it. Listen, listen I know this is hard, but, but, but I, I would just, I, man, I wish some of us all just get mad at allowing stress and worry and fear and intimidation backing us down. Hear me. We might be tolerating it. Tolerate. Allowing it. Allowing it. That, that's what the word was that God gave that church. Let me tell you what the, what the, what, how important this is. I got time to go all there this morning. We're wrapping up. But listen. Uh, later in 1 Kings, Ahab, you know, he's still alive. And Jezebel, she's still alive. And Ahab... He coveted, he wanted this, this vineyard right next to where his kingdom was, where his, where his house was. This guy owned it, and, and he said to the guy, l l l give me your vineyard, let me buy your vineyard. And the guy said, no, man, I can't sell you my vineyard. Listen, here's what he said. He, he, said, he, he said, it's the inheritance of my fathers. You know, you know in, in the culture, in Europe and other cultures and in Israel, if you own land, it's yours in the generations for generation after generation after generation. There's no buying and selling, if you will. It's just passed on. It's like you own in a home, and there's some of you in the home that now you're living in the home of your parents. Generational. It's going to stay in the family. We don't think about that in North America, but that's what's going on here. And so the guy, the owner said, no, we're not, I'm not selling you my stuff. That, that's ours. That's our family inheritance. You know what this Jezebel does? Jezebel goes and causes the guy to, to, to have a false claim that he defied God, and he was stoned. He was stoned. And then Jezebel tells her husband, Ahab, hey, the guy, Naboth, he's no longer there. The owners died. Go ahead and take possession of that inheritance, that land. Can I tell you something? The devil wants the inheritance of God in your life. He wants your peace. He wants your joy. He wants your love. He wants your purpose. He wants it all to be side-swiped away so that you don't fulfill the, the, the will of God. What, what I, uh, you know, what's amazing is that the story ends, if you will, or Jezebel's life ends, I should say. She, she, her life ends in a wicked death. It was prophesied actually years before, over a decade before. After this event that we just read with the showdown in 1 Kings 19, about 10 years later, uh, there's a, a king that Elijah actually anointed. Uh, his name's Jehu. And 
he sees Jezebel. Interesting story. Some, this is where we kind of, some people in church used to think, think this. Uh, Jezebel, or Jezebel's up in this tower, and Jehu, the, the king now, is looking up, and she's still wicked. She's still vile. And he looks up at her, and he, she comes out out of her tower, and the Bible says her eyes are painted, and, and she's all beautified. And everybody says, oh, you know, got that Jezebel spirit girl. You put, you put on some makeup. No, come on, somebody. I'm talking about putting on makeup. But listen, the enemy was trying to seduce Jehu, trying to seduce, again, mind games, stuff emotions, feelings, circumstances. And Jehu calls up to the eunuchs that are up there and said, how many y'all are with me? A couple eunuchs pop their head out and he says this, throw her out of that tower. They threw her out. Again, it was prophesied. She hit the ground, died. They all went about their business. They came back. There wasn't nothing left of the woman. Check it out. But her skull, read it. Her skull, her hands, her bones of her hands, and her feet. Every other bone was gone, the scripture says. Listen to me. This is what this means to me. Is that even though that Jezebel spirit was gone, wants to still mess with your mind, your skull, it wants to get in your hands and cause you to do things that's not the will of God. Cause you to take worry, take anxiety, take fear, and then get in your feet and cause you to run in a place, in a way God doesn't want you to go. It's crazy at the end of the story there, we read Elijah, God actually tells Elijah, he says, go back the same way you came. I got three different assignments for you. Anoint this guy, Jehu, and I want you to anoint uh, Elisha in your place, and I want you to anoint this other king because I I'm not done with you. I'm, I'm not done with you. So, so, so listen, today you might find yourself full of stress, full of worry, full of anxiety, full of fear, full of I don't know where, I don't know where I'm going. Listen, stop for a moment. Stop. If you're in the wilderness, if you've been running, if you've been disconnected, stop right now. Make up your mind, I'm going to get connected. Make up your mind, I'm coming out of the wilderness. Make up your mind, I'm not going to stay here. Make up your mind, I'm going to start changing my diet. I'm going to eat the Word of God. I'm going to believe the Word of God again. I'm going to spend time in worship and prayer. I'm going to change what, what's been going on in my life. Because if you do that, you're going to find strength from the Word of God. God's going to bring divine appointments into your life. Come on, somebody. You're going to hear the Word of God alive again. Come on, everybody. Come on. Come on. God wasn't done with Elijah. He, and he's not done. Come on, let's praise God if we're going to praise God. God's not done with Elijah. God's not done with you. Come on, stand up, everybody, for a second. Would you do that? Come on, stand up. Come on, lift your hands. You've been sitting for a while. Come on, let's just do that. Lift our hands. Father, I pray today, every one of us in this room that have been listening to the lies of the enemy, that the lies of the enemy would be broken in our life. Father, we wouldn't tolerate. We wouldn't tolerate those words, that agenda. We wouldn't tolerate that demonic assault against our lives. So, Father God, give us a hunger and a desire. We stir up hunger and desire for the Word of God. That it won't mess. These words will not mess with our mind, our skull, and will not get into our hands, into our feet. Father God, we pray, we pray today in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, be seated. Would you do that? Amen. That's a good place to clap, everybody. Come on, that'd be a good place to clap. Yeah. Yeah.
Come on, one more time, just bow your head, close your eyes. I know we prayed right there, but listen, let's pray a prayer. Let's think about this right now. Just the question of where you're at spiritually. Come on, you just prayed right then. You lifted your hands or you lifted your heart. And you're saying, God, help me in the middle of my mess right now, in the middle of my pressure. Listen to me. I believe he is. But how about today, right now, if you're not on his team, you say, I'm going to get on team Jesus today. I'm going to leave my life. I'm going to leave my thought. I'm going to leave my worry. I'm going to leave my concern once and for all. And I believe that God's for me. If God was for Elijah, God's going to be for me. He's for me. And so right there in the middle of your seat where you're at, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you prayed a prayer when you were a child or maybe, you know, teenager at a camp or all of us different, again, different experiences with church and with God. Maybe you were water baptized and, man, that you know, kind of wore off, you know, a month later. And, man, you just say, I need God today. I need Jesus today. I need to reconnect with him.